I know it's hard, but you can be a person that changes our culture. And you can be a person that starts inspiring the next class of people and the next class. And that's how you change culture. I think it's so crucial to build up the people around you. And it's doing little things like that. It's going to start turning that tide of what we find a confident woman to be. And it's going to change the confident woman from being cocky or full of herself to being the standard. And I'm so excited to starting to see a turn in that in my own personal life. Welcome to United Conversations for Student-Athletes, a Holinsky's Hope-powered podcast supporting the mental health of student-athletes. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Nicholson. Identity is so important to all of us, but sometimes with student-athletes, as we've talked about, it can be really difficult to just know who you are. And one of the things that kind of gets in the way of us owning our identity is this idea of who others think we should be and how others think that should show up. I was browsing around the internet the other day, you know, taking some looks at different posts about student athlete mental health, because that's what I do in my free time. (laughs) And I ran across this really powerful post from Sam Carey at the University of Iowa. And it really resonated with me about the difficulty in owning who you are, in owning your voice, and having confidence, confidence enough to be proud of yourself and to acknowledge your strengths and say, ah, I did a good job. And it is hard. So I asked Sam if she would come on United and just have a conversation about that. And I'm so glad I did. What an amazing voice. She's a junior at the University of Iowa on the women's soccer team. She's a double major and just has a really big heart and passion for student-athlete mental health. And she's actually the chair of the wellness committee there at uh, University of Iowa, their ISAC. So she's really doing a lot to help foster these changes that we all want to see in the world, especially when it comes to mental health. So I'm excited that she posted and used her voice, and I'm excited that she agreed to spend time with us today on United. So let's get going with today's conversation with Sam Carey. Sam, welcome to United. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here and honored that you sent me a message to have me on the show. Well, I am so excited that you accepted and I sent you a message because I was really struck by something that you wrote for The Hidden Opponent, which is a great website where a lot of athletes post some really remarkable and powerful messages. And I am really happy that I ran across yours because it struck me so much and that you said yes, because you're very busy planning this super cool mental health thing at University of Iowa, and I want to hear more about it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And yeah, we've been working tirelessly at the University of Iowa to get this off the ground. It's an idea we've had for a long time, and we're finally like, okay, we're doing it. So one of my roles at the University of Iowa is I am the chair of health and well-being um, for our ISAC or our SAC. And so one thing that the sports psychologist Aubrey and I decided that would be really important is to get a large group of student athletes together and have a conversation about mental health. 
And we really wanted this to be beyond your team, beyond that comfort level, and just an encourage and a level of vulnerability within the Iowa athletics department that we haven't seen so far. So we entitled this Hawk Identity, which we've had to add little pun of Hawkeyes. And our tagline for this event is finding confidence, fighting stigma. So you're invited to this event if you're experiencing mental health issues, if you're not, if you might know a teammate who is, if you have anywhere on that spectrum, this is an event for you. And we really wanted to tailor it that way. So we set up a panelist of five amazing speakers, three current student athletes at the University of Iowa, as well as NCAA winning coach Tom Brands for our wrestling program and a Iowa football player alum who went to the NFL and retired due to mental health reasons. And we really wanted to have those two influences of Tom Brands and Sean Welsh, the Iowa football alum, because we've had events before when it came to Iowa athletics and mental health. And they were very well attended, which was great, but they were very well attended by female populations. Hmm. And so we really wanted to have a draw for the sports of that hyper-masculinity that this is not as easy to have an open conversation. And from all regards, this isn't an easy conversation to have, but especially in those areas. So we're so excited about this event. We have around 200 athletes already RSVPing and it's happening next week. And it's going to be an open discussion with these panelists and open Q&A. We have roundtables set up where you're not going to be allowed to sit with your own sport. That way we get to encourage vulnerability and discussion between sports, understand other people's issues. And our panelists range of from everything from a girl who's been really brave and opening up against her eating disorder to one of our Black student athletes talking about the impact of moving to Iowa from L.A. and what being Black in Iowa can mean to him and being a Black student athlete as well as a gymnast who tore her Achilles her freshman year. It was expected to be a huge gymnast, but rallied back from that Achilles injury and is now an All-American. So we're so excited for this event. And yeah, it's hopefully going to go off and be a really big impact on our Iowa program. I can't imagine that it wouldn't. I mean, that's so amazing. And, and you know, I really think you did uh, well to capture everybody when you were like, whether you're struggling with uh, mental health or if you're not. So those are the people that are invited. <laughs> Absolutely. And of course we have to have our incentives. So for, we're getting people there with free t-shirts, with free pizza, kind of calming down the pressure that the atmosphere might be a bit. Cause you walk into something like this and you're like, man, it's going to like a giant therapy session, which honestly is the goal, but we're going to try to trick him into thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, so we've had huge buy-in so far. We actually conducted a survey that went out to all student athletes where they were able to write back anonymously what their needs were and what they saw issues being. And we were able to tailor our panelists to express the needs of athletes too. So that way we also know that our panelists are going to resonate with many athletes at Iowa. Man, it's so well thought out. I am super excited and I'm really going to reach out after to find out how it went because it's really exciting. Thank you. Yeah, it's been months in the planning, but we're so excited to finally implement it. Yeah. The tagline is really cool and reminds me of what you wrote, you know, confident, find confidence and fight stigma. That's awesome. Confidence is something that really is a, a big issue for so many athletes. And it's one that you spoke about really elegantly, particularly from the perspective of women. Absolutely. So when it comes to women in sport, you know, this, I know this is being a woman's sport. It is so hard to be confident and it's hard to be confident because you're fighting with yourself in that regard. You're fighting almost against your teammates sometimes in that regard, your coaching, your parents, social media. 
there's all these aspects in athletics that tell women how to act. And it's so sad because we've come so far in our journey of embracing women athletics in different regards of media. And we're starting to get more attention, more viewership, but this idea of what a female athlete should be still resonates and it hasn't changed. And it's not going to change until we have more women able to embrace themselves. So this post that you're talking about, I titled unapologetically yourself. And I'm so glad that I did it. And first of all, my kind of crazy story is when I had first heard about the passing of Katie Meyer, I mean, I was devastated as so many people and I've never known Katie. I've never been around her, but I still felt a connection to her. And I felt that after watching the NCAA tournament in 2019, where she played phenomenally, but it was the off the ball stuff that she did. It was the movements off the camera. It was glowing after making these saves. And you could just tell that this girl was so confident in just living her best life. I mean, I was so proud to be a female athlete watching that. And I remember going on social media for weeks after this happened and people saying, oh, she's cocky. She's full of herself, all this stuff. Like you're playing in the national finals of a women's soccer game, making game winning PKs. Like that's how you should be acting. And so that's one of the first things that really opened my eyes to how confidence is treated in the women's atmosphere. And so this idea of being unapologetically yourself and this ability to really just embrace who you are, know your identity and love your identity for that really struck me. And I'm so happy. But when I wrote this post up, I almost am ashamed of it because I wrote it up honestly in like 15 minutes. So I was like, it was just flowing. My emotions were there. And I looked at it and I'm like, kind of want to post this on social media, like, but I don't know. And so I made my boyfriend read it. And he was like, no, Sam, like you should post this. And then I made my mom read it. And I was, she's like, Sam, like, this is like, it's you, it's your raw emotions, post it. And then I showed my roommate and she's like, Sam. And so eventually I was like, okay, fine. And so even in myself writing about confident women, I'm not confident enough to post it without the encouragement of people around me. So I'm so grateful that I made that decision, but that's the craziness alone is like, I was shaking posting that. And that was my own writing and my own decisions. And so that enough just speaks for the battles that women have and how we're supposed to be acting. Yes. And I can relate to that so much. And I want to know when you were thinking about posting it to social media, what came up for you? Yeah, for me, I think a lot of it was like, well, what if I post it and no one else thinks what I think? Or what if I post it in my own team, the people that are supposed to be closest to me are like, well, why is Sam doing that? I also had really big fears that people thought I would be jumping on a bandwagon. And, you know, so many people were speaking out after her passing, which is amazing. And it's brought a lot of attention to issues like this. But I was like, I don't want to be a bandwagon first. Like, that's not why I'm posting this. I'm not posting this for followers. I'm not posting this for influence. I'm posting this to get this off my chest. And I generally wrote the post for my own therapy and my own reflection on what I was feeling. And so, yeah, there was a lot of different emotions going into this decision. And I'm so happy I did. And just the feedback, you know, I posted it and I was not sure how it was going to go. You know, the first five minutes after you make an Instagram post, you know, you're like checking the likes every five minutes. You're like staring. Is anyone going to comment? And I eventually just turned my phone off. I was like, okay, I'm not going to play this game because at the end of the day, I didn't post it for any gratification. So I don't care what happens. And then I turned on my phone a couple hours later and absolutely blew up. And the best part about it 
was the impact that it had on athletes across the country, across both genders, across age groups. It was so amazing to me that I would go through social media, people I follow because I compete against them. And I would see my own face on their Instagram stories. And so I think it spread through the entire Big Ten Conference. I was getting personal messages from athletes at Ohio State, athletes at Rutgers, Illinois, going all the way out to schools in California and schools in New York, saying that they were so happy that I shared this message and they completely agree. So it was so phenomenal that so many people really resonated with this message. And one of the best moments for me was one of my teammates came up to me the day after I posted it and was like, Hey, like, I don't know if you know this, but I was scrolling through my own Instagram and like, there were girls that are like freshmen in high school, but they were reposting it because they felt it. And to me, I think that age group of middle school and high school girls is when we first really start to shun confidence. And when we first try to get people to fit in, it's not something that happens in college. It's something that's exemplified in college. And so I was so happy that a post that I made was able to have the impact on younger girls. Cause that's, that's, who's going to change the stigma that in, able to embrace confidence and embracing their own identity. That's what's really going to start changing it. And so to be able to reach that generation was mind blowing to me. It's so awesome. And, you know, I kind of targeted this feeling like I resonated with it as a woman. I don't think it's bound by gender. And yet there is something when you look at a, a football player, a wrestler, whatever, um, male sport, male athlete, and you say, well, he's cocky. It doesn't hold the same feeling of it being derogatory than when you look at a woman, you say, well, she's cocky. She's arrogant. And, and so it just hits a little harder. And the fear of what other people think and will think just keeps us so captive. So here's the sports psychology perspective on confidence and what you wrote, like the fear of just saying, hey, I'm really good. And, you know, maybe even some of the trash talk that's fun, like that makes it fun sometimes. But when, especially middle school, man, middle school is hard because everything's changing and social circles are becoming more important. And, and, so there's this fear, like, what if people don't like me? What if people don't like this? And so you start that inner dialogue. If I jump up after a good play and I'm like acting a certain way, people are going to say, huh, who does she think she is? When the answer is, I think that I'm somebody that's worked really hard to be accomplished and good at what I do. And there's a fear that people are going to have that kind of like, oh, she's thinks she's all that. And that just, it creates this inner dialogue where we question things and we mute our confidence and we mute the good things we might say to ourselves. After a while, that becomes a habit. That becomes a, what we call an internal schema. And it becomes so internalized that it's hard to think anything differently. So we start cutting ourselves down so we do not go anywhere near arrogance or, you know, they're going to say I'm not humble. And that's just a recipe for mental health disaster. <laughs> no, actually, it's so true. And it's so funny because literally as you're saying this, like I was getting flashbacks to my life of when those moments happened for me. 
I remember in middle school, we ran the lap every day. And before PE class, you had to run a lap. And naturally, me being the competitive person I am, I was like, I'm going to beat all the boys and I'm going to win this lap. And that was the first time I got called a tryhard. And I was like, oh, cool. And then they're calling me a tryhard. And then I realized that this was with a negative connotation. And, you know, my parents drilled in me at a young age, work ethic, and you're supposed to, you know, repetition, hard work. That's where it's going to get you there. I wasn't the soccer player that anyone thought was going to play in college, but I had the drive and the competition to get me where I wanted to be. So when I got called a tryhard, I was like, wait, that, that's a bad thing. And it really battled with me for a while. I'm like, wait, why, why is this bad? And going back, and I remember my freshman year of high school soccer, I'm on varsity and I scored my first varsity goal. And all the seniors on the team were like, why, why did she celebrate that much? Like, why are we, why are we celebrating? It's only a high school soccer goal. And so it's like all these moments in our lives that make you second guess, you know, should I be celebrating? Like, should I not? And I'm ashamed that sometimes I like, I fell into that pattern. But one thing that I've really worked on with myself is finding my own identity and my own core pillars and who I want to be. And that really resonated with me when I came to college. I remember when I moved to Iowa, I graduated high school a semester early. So I came to Iowa spring of 2019 I was like, I'm going to be myself. Like high school was terrible. Middle school wasn't great either. Like I'm moving to a brand new state around brand new people. This is an opportunity to fit in. I was like, I'm going to play division one college soccer. Like everyone's going to be like me. Of course, we're all tryhards. We're all hard workers. It wasn't that way. (laughs) Took me a second to get there and understand that like, okay, but I'm going to set my own path. You know, my coaches recruited me here for a reason. You know, they've always encouraged me to be the person that stays after and do extra reps. And they always were willing to watch extra film with me. And that's the person I wanted to be. And Iowa being the up and coming program that it was, I was like, this is an opportunity to change this culture. And there's been roadblocks in that as well. I'll never forget, you know, my first semester, our senior captain coming into my dorm room and basically telling me that everyone on the team hates me and that this isn't somewhere that I fit in. And being a 18 year old girl who just moved to college, who expected my college teammates to be my best friend. It's like that broke me. I was so upset. And I remember going into a meeting with my coach the next day and I was like, no one likes me. And he goes, but why don't you think people like you? And I was like, I don't know. I don't fit in. Like no one else is from Missouri maybe. And he's like, Sam, you make other people work hard. When you do extra work, the people that feel like they should do extra work, but don't want to want to tear you down because by you not doing extra work, they don't look bad instead of rising to the occasion and having everyone want to put in that extra effort. And he's like, I know it's hard, but you can be a person that changes our culture. Mm-hmm. And you can be a person that starts inspiring the next class of people to do it and the next class. And that's how you change culture. And it's doing little things like that with individual programs, with different high schools and at a younger age, it's going to start turning that tide of what we find a confident woman to be. And it's going to change the confident woman from being cocky or full of herself to being the standard. And I'm so excited to starting to see a turn in that in my own personal life. That's awesome. And it's lonely though, to get there. I'm imagining your freshman year. That was really lonely. Yeah, it was tough. Um, There was a lot of phone calls home to mom about looking into possibly transferring or not finding my friends, but that's when you also realize the amount of people that are in your corner that you don't realize And I was so thankful to have a roommate who was actually in a very different situation with me. You know, we roomed in with other soccer players and I was the freshman that started every game and made every travel roster my freshman year. And my roommate didn't play a single minute. She has yet to play a single minute in her Iowa career. She's never made the travel roster, 
but she supported me in my own journey and I supported hers and hers. So she was in my corner and slowly, but surely I found other people, whether that be on other sports teams or, you know, as I got older, younger girls that wanted to follow in footsteps that became the people in my corner. And so as much as that freshman year was lonely, it also taught me who really appreciates me. And coming back to that post, one thing that really amazed me was how much my team rallied around it. Hmm. The amount of teammates that reached out to me that texted me simply like, I'm so proud to be your teammate or you inspire me and things like that, that just a fill your bucket, but also just realizing the impact that you can have on people by staying your own course and living your own true values. One thing I find really interesting about identity is this, it's this intersection of there's who you are and there's what you do. And one quote that has really stuck with me is that having confidence in who you are leads to consistency in what you do. Hmm. This ability to know your values and having confidence in your values leads to consistency in your actions and what you choose to do and how you choose to spend your time. And so that consistency really shows others a path to follow and a path to embrace either yourself or themselves. And it's so important to recognize your own identity so that you can stick with it. And I think that's something that comes up on United quite a bit is how difficult it is as an athlete to find your identity away from what you do. Completely. Yeah. And that search for your identity is, it's a challenging process. And to be honest, it's something that as a junior, like I've worked on this semester, I've been working with our sports psychologists to really find that because for so long, I've been hearing things about this idea of like, your identity shouldn't be rooted in your sport. My identity is not as a soccer player. But I struggled with that because I'm like, I love soccer. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a soccer player. And through a lot of my own personal journey and my own personal discovery, I've made a couple of really important connections that have stuck with me. And a lot of that being like, my identity is who I am as a person. Like I can list my core values of like, and who other people reflect on me as who I am. Like I'm gritty. I'm driven. I'm hardworking. I have a growth mindset and I'm passionate. These are all things that I love about myself that truly I do. And I thought about it and I'm like, but that's who I am on a soccer field as well. So soccer is my identity. And it was this confusing process for me until I realized, and I took a step back and I understood that soccer is how I grew these powers. Soccer is where I learned to discover my identity. It's weirdly what I like, you know, playing soccer since you're three years old. This is where I learned the lessons that I have. This is where I found the ups and downs. I faced adversity. Like this is where my identity came from. And I'm so lucky that I get to still continue to be a soccer player through the rest of my career. And that's where I get to express my identity. You know, my sport is an expression of what I get to do. And on the day that I'm no longer an athlete, as much as I'm going to have to grieve that loss, I know I'm going to find another project where I get to be gritty and I get to be hardworking and I get to be passionate. So I'm so thankful for the sport of soccer to grow who I am and to be my expression and my outlet. But I also know that that's not my identity, but it's where I get to express it and I can move it on to a different aspect of my life. I just got to say, amen. <laughs> it's, I mean, spot on with, you know, you're not what you do, but who you are shows up in what you do. And, and that's so cool. And you know, when athletes talk about, it's so hard to own my strengths because I don't want to come across as arrogant. I want people to think of me as humble. I find a way at some point, I try to make it a surprise. Sometimes I can't, I just got to say it, but it's like, you know, I'm good at my job. And they're like, yeah, 
I think you're good at your job. I'm like, well, I'm glad because you keep coming back. So (laughs) I hope you think that. And I mean, I don't need to be the best. I don't need to be, I just need to be good and the best that I can be in the moment. And so I ask like, well, when I said that, did that come across as cocky or arrogant? And they're like, no, I'm glad that you know that you're good at your job. It's like, well, why can't we say that? Why can't we say that? And because I am a humble person and I know that I work hard and I know that I'm passionate and I know that I am good at what I do and I work really hard to be good at what I do. So it's, I don't, I don't know how to, how to change that. And I agree with you that it starts really young and it is an epidemic with women. Yeah. And like you said earlier, like this isn't just women athletes. This is as simple as women as a whole and how we've treated women and how there's a social norm that women should act and women should be. And we tend to fight it when they aren't that way. And I'm so happy that there is a tide turning in this, but it's going to be a process and it's going to take a while. And like I said, I think the biggest thing that we could do to fight this epidemic is in your own culture, in your own space. How do you start changing that tide? So like I said, I'm so fortunate that through my time in Iowa, I've seen that time turned and I'm encouraging and I'm hoping that other athletes can have the confidence and the bravery to stick their own paths and show what this could be because slowly but surely that's how you change the culture. And it's going to be a painful process. And as you said, it's an unpopular process and it's a lonely process, but it's also a really exciting process that I can say that I've been on. And I'm so proud of myself that I have. And there's so much like a freedom and a weight that gets lifted off you because like we, I mean, this kid's connecting everything to earlier. Like there is so much pressure of what other people are going to think of you. And there's so many ideas of like, well, I can't do this because of this. And this person's going to think that, but at the end of the day, when you are truly being unapologetically yourself and when you are truly embracing your own identity, those worries go away because you don't care anymore because you're doing what you know you're supposed to be doing. And so that's the really the freedom that it left me was this idea of, I don't need to care what he's saying about me or what she's saying about me because I'm rooted in my own values and I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. There's also a lot of times where I'm wrong. Like they're not thinking that. In fact, it's so funny to, to think of it that way. Like, yeah, they're not thinking of me at all. And there's a quote that I really like that's uh it's confidence isn't walking into a room and knowing you're the best confidence is walking into a room and not having to compare yourself. And so many athletes, especially when they get to the collegiate level or the junior Olympic level and stuff, they have been the best. And it's hard to think of themselves as good and accomplished if they're not the best. So they get to college and everybody was the best. So you go through this whole identity confusion, like, well, I can't say I'm good if I'm not the best. And that is just wrong. No, you're so true. And especially in this fact of like, I think one of the biggest places is to see this in the weight room. The amount of times I've been in the weight room as a college athlete and I can see, and I've done it myself, I'm completely guilty. Like, oh, she is 10 pounds more than me on the bar. I got to add 10 pounds. You know, this idea of comparison of like, if I'm not the best, if I'm not lifting the best, I'm not good. I think the biggest thing that this was for me is, you know, as a freshman, I was extremely blessed to be on the starting lineup for Iowa. I had worked really hard to get that spot. And I was happy that that hard work had finally like paid off because that was the goal. 
and I play left back. And so there's a right back that mirrors very similar actions to me. And so I'm a freshman playing left back and there was a senior playing right back. And, you know, that whole season, it was like, well, Carrie, why can't you do what Hannah's doing? And you got to mimic what Hannah's doing. And that was a learning process for me. But then Hannah graduated and I was the experience outside back. And I felt this pressure on me. I'm like, well, I got to do what Hannah was doing. And she was so good at this position that I have to mimic her in this way and this idea. And I finally have gotten to a point where I realized, like, I was like, I felt like I had so much pressure on me. But I have pressure on me as an athlete because I have set a standard of who I am and consistent work every single day. So there's not pressure on me. It's just expectation to be me because I have a standard of me. And it's so freeing this idea that like, there's no pressure because I get to be myself and that's the expectation. And there's no easier expectation than being yourself every day. And so no matter what, like I understand that there's going to be days where I'm not performing at my 100%. And that's something that you have to accept as an athlete. You're not going to be there every day. But as long as I'm on the field giving 100% of what I have that day, I'm able to live up to that expectation. Yes. And that was one thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit, practical ways that we as women, we as people in the sport world, you as athlete can build each other up so that it's okay to say, man, that was really good. I am really good. I worked hard to be here. I'm grateful to be here. And I am good at what I do. Yeah, that's a great question and a great idea that works different for every person. I can say that what's worked at Iowa and what's really helped to change our culture is when I started getting older, you know, I realized that when I was a freshman, whenever like a senior said anything to me, I got so excited. I was like, wait, you're giving me attention. Like you think I'm good. And so this idea of like, if I see a freshman having a great practice, I will make sure. And it's a fact in our culture. I make sure, or anyone makes sure to text them that day. Hey, you kicked butt today. And as much as we want to say, oh, it needs to come within, when you especially put yourself in an 18 and 19 year old shoes, moving to a different state, being around a group of people, it's really hard to find what's within. So if you can build up the people externally, it's so much easier to build up the internal person. So I think the biggest thing I can recommend if anyone is find that person who's kicking butt and tell them that as much as it's easy to recognize. And it's, it's a habit that I have too. Like I can go into my room and be like, oh man, didn't she play so good in practice today? Why am I not telling her that? Like I should be. And so it's this idea of like, that's how we build each other up. And that's also where we embrace this idea of being confident and letting that be known. I think one thing that really is important in that process though, is not making it up right as much as it's like, Oh, I'm going to text 10 people that they played good today. But if they just put, cause that just, it, it becomes fake and it becomes a facade. And so especially for a person in power on the team or a leader or a role model on the team, I think it's so crucial to build up the people around you because at the end of the day, you're only good as your weakest person. And by building that program and by building that identity, that's how you get that program stronger. I think also when you build others up, it somehow builds yourself up. And that's been really interesting. Like when I am working out and I feel like, man, I cannot do this last section here. And I turn to somebody, I'm like, you can do it. It's like telling somebody what I need to hear somehow resonates within me. And there's, there's two kind of practical things that come to my mind. One, I will credit Dr. Michelle Joshua at NC State with. She does uh, like snap sessions. I don't think she calls it that, but 
where maybe before practice or something, teens go around and they do snaps and they call each other out for good things, whether it was like, man, you hit a cross today that was just spot on. And it's just a, a way to hype each other up and remind everybody's got their own strengths and everybody is contributing toward a similar goal um, on and off the field. So that was a really cool thing that I've tried to do with different teams and it's gone over really well. Another thing that I do individually with people that are struggling, especially with confidence, but also with just owning their, their strengths is to set a goal of whether it's one time each day or three times a week, like wherever you're starting to say something out loud that you have done well. And actually that's really, really hard for a lot of people. So an even safer place to start is when you get a compliment, say, thank you. And we do this weird thing where it's like, why do we undermine what somebody is saying? Just start by somebody gives you a compliment. Hey, you really hit a great cross today. Say thanks and see how hard it is to not add to that, but let it be. And then move to, you know, finding a place where you can say, I did really well today, or I worked my butt off, even though I didn't feel like it. And to set a tangible goal of this many times a week and write it down. And that's a, that's a great place to start changing that. So when we change it within, it changes without. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, speaking in my own experience, the ability to say something out loud, it resonates with yourself so much deeper. Mm-hmm. So as much as I can think in my head, like, man, I had a good practice day, looking in the mirror or even not, and just saying it and hearing it through your own ears, it makes a whole new level of difference. And so, yeah, that's amazing. And going back to the whole snaps thing, I can only imagine the amount of good vibes that then brings into a practice, you know, and I'm sure any athlete can experience this. You all have those practices where it's just like the vibes are there. Everything, everyone's on a high and it's fun. And that's how you reminded that your sport is fun. You're supposed to enjoy this sport and we play it because it's a great thing that we get to do and it's fun. So having that vibe of just starting your practice on such a high note, I can only imagine how that translates to the rest of the practice. For sure. So if anybody tries it, shoot me an email and let me know how it went because it is a way to get vibing right from the get-go. I love it. I love it. What were some of the ways that helped you really identify so clearly your identity outside of your sport that just shows up when you hit the pitch? Yeah, this was a really amazing exercise, actually, that our sports psychologist did with me. In a session between her and I, you know, she had a hundred different identities or a hundred different characteristics on a card. And she was like, all right, here's five piles. You're nodding like, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) So yeah, here's your five piles. Most like me, somewhat like me, kind of like me, kind of not like me, and definitely not like me. And I went through all hundred of these characteristics and she then took the like most like me ones and was like, okay, now resort them and resort them. And we did that over and over and again until I got about 10 and she was like, okay, now take a week and think about like, which one of these really means, like, what did these mean to you? And which like five would you use to really express yourself? And that got me thinking, but then it made me think, I'm like, you know, I was a Girl Scout for 13 years and I was really passionate about stuff like that. And Maybe passion is one of my things or, you know, like, man, like 
I have, I have a 4.0 and I'm a double major. Like I have a good work ethic and that doesn't just show up in soccer. Like I have to study my butt off to keep that 4.0. And so it really got me to connect these things that I would identify myself as a soccer player. Like if you asked me to say, just who are you on the field? I would still say passionate, gritty, hardworking, but I didn't understand how much of these characteristics I use in other parts of my life. And so that exercise was so remarkable to me to be able to understand that, you know, who I am on the field is a clear example of who I am off the field as well. I think it also takes not just pressure, but emphasis off of your performance. Like these are things that can't be taken away, regardless of how your day is going or did go or will go. And it's really powerful to be able to hold on to that in days that are really hard. Absolutely. I love that because as much as you might botch that cross or you got beaten one view on defending, you know, one of my stables, I'm gritty. So like you may beat me once, but you're going to have to try really hard to beat me twice. And so those identities, but also you don't understand how much your team sees your identity and sees your place on the team. You know, my teammates know I'm going to be one of the most competitive people in this field. And that's my role on the team because when I show that it exemplifies that to the rest of the team. And it's that momentum swing and it's that ability to be a changer based on my own identities. As you said earlier, every single person has a different role in the team. So knowing your identity really helps to identify that role and how and what you can bring to the team, no matter if you're on the field, off the field, injured, a starter or not. There's so many different roles that need to be played. Yes. Yeah. Sam Carey, I am so happy that you're using your voice and owning who you are and putting it out there as an inspiration to others to own their strengths and use their voice and put out there who they are. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity of being here and talking about this. Man, yes. Thank you so much for what you wrote and your passion behind it and for your time today. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you. All right. Well, take care and good luck. Thank you. You too. Again, a big thank you to Sam Carey as well as our producer, Graham Doty, and our editor, Chelsea Battle. If you're struggling at this time, please reach out to family, friends, or a licensed mental health professional in your area. Also, we want to hear from you about topics that you want to hear about. So please reach out to us at info at Let us know what would be helpful for you or your fellow athletes to hear about. Share this podcast with anyone you believe would be helped by it. Subscribe to it, rate it, and review it because that helps other athletes find the podcast. If you would like to know more about Holinsky's Hope, including how to donate to help with all that they're doing to support student-athlete mental health and reduce the stigma that surrounds mental illness, visit www.holinskyshope.org. Please take care of yourself, please take care of others, and always have hope. <laughs>